Due to the adult subject matter of this podcast, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Mysteriously Morbid. I'm your host, Melissa Lee. Let's crawl down the long and winding road together, questioning death, life, and everything creepy in between. So sit back, relax, and try not to get too comfortable as we go down the rabbit hole that is mysteriously morbid. Hey guys, welcome back to Mysteriously Morbid. I'm your host, Melissa Lee, and thank you for joining me. So this case I'm covering today is actually one that's currently going on, and it's actually ripped from the headlines, I guess you could say. So the first topic is going to be talking about how a 26-year-old transfer student from China went missing from U of I, and the second topic is going to be discussing the person who is responsible for her disappearance. So without further ado, let's jump on into tonight's episode. It's every parent's worst nightmare. A daughter goes missing, and the FBI says it was a kidnapping from a U.S. college campus. It is a drama perhaps made even worse, considering it involved a Chinese scholar and her loved ones were thousands of miles away at the time. The man charged in the kidnapping of a Chinese scholar allegedly spoke about what makes an ideal victim. A prosecutor described the alleged comments at Brent Christensen's second court hearing yesterday. He's held without bond after the June kidnapping of Chinese researcher Yingying Shang. Shang was standing under a tree when Christensen allegedly picked her up in his car. Brent Christensen was recorded, allegedly describing how Yingying Zhang fought and resisted during her abduction. He described the characteristics of an ideal victim and may have even possibly pointed out people he considered other potential victims in the crowd. Investigators said they don't believe the 26-year-old Chinese scholar is still alive. The announcement came as a blow to Zhang's family, who flew to the U.S. from China after she disappeared. I know I had mentioned that we were going to cover some local unsolved crime. However, I feel like this case is very important to talk about because it's kind of up and coming. I mean, this girl disappeared in 2017 and the trial is currently active now. I know the news clip actually covered some of the topics. However, I want to start at the beginning as far as where our story begins. Ying Ying Sing was born on December 21st in 1990 in a small city in southeast China. She was studying at Beijing University where she actually received her master's degree. And it's important to note as well that Beijing University is one of the most prestigious schools in China. Ying Ying actually had dreams of becoming a professor in China. She really loved working with people. From what I can gather about her, she was just all around a great person. Ying Ying was actually engaged to be married and was going to get married in October of 2017 to her boyfriend. So she was actually offered a really great opportunity to come and study in the United States um, and be able to conduct research with the Department of Natural Resources and Environmental Sciences through University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Yingying was a visiting scholar in the Chinese Academy of Sciences before traveling to the United States. So she arrived in April of 2017 to be able to conduct her research. 
Yingying was also an active member of U of I's Chinese student group as well. Let's go ahead and jump into the basics of the case. On June 9th of 2017, Yingying was scheduled to sign a lease for an apartment. It was quite a ways away from where she was at the campus. It took about two bus rides to get there. On that afternoon, she had taken the first bus, but got off on the wrong side and did not realize she missed the other bus that actually picked up on the other side of the street. I've heard from different reports, but it's never really been clarified as to whether or not this happened, that Yingying actually chased down the one bus and was trying to wait for it to stop. I've also heard theories that if she would not have missed that bus and that bus would have stopped, she would not be missing to this day. However, that's not really fair to say because, you know, bus stops have specific rules they're supposed to follow and bus drivers are supposed to, you know, meet certain deadlines to get to the different stops. So that's not really fair to say, um, you know, to blame public transit for that. So Yingying boarded the first bus at 1.35 p.m. on Friday, June 9th. She exited the bus at Springfield and Matthews Avenue in Urbana at 1.52 p.m. So I did find some screenshots of text messages from the leasing agent. It looks like that Ying Ying had texted him around 1.29 p.m. saying that she was going to be late. Ying Ying had also stated that she had thought she could maybe be there around 2.10 p.m. And the leasing agent had responded, okay, I will see you then. At 2.39 p.m., the leasing agent texted Ying Ying saying, just checking in to see if you're on your way. He never did receive a response to that text message. After friends and colleagues could not get in touch with Ying Ying, later that evening, one of the associate professors called the police. From different reports that I've researched, it appears that the police took this case very seriously immediately. So once the police started their investigation, they were able to pull the CCTV from the surrounding area. The police discovered that Yingying had actually walked a short distance to a different bus stop. The place she had stopped was right in front of one of the local PBS TV buildings, I guess, and they had um, CCTV around the whole area. Just after 2 p.m., Yingying was actually standing on the east side of Goodwin Avenue when a black Saturn Astra pulled up beside her. You can see that she and the driver talk for some time before she finally enters the vehicle. The driver then continues driving down Goodwin Avenue. Police were able to tell that it was a white male as the driver of the Saturn Astra. There also was apparently an eyewitness account. On June 10th, 2017, the University of Illinois police posted a photo of Ying Ying on Facebook explaining that if anyone had seen her or had any information about her disappearance to please reach out. They stated as well that there have been multiple attempts to contact her and she has not responded. On June 12th, the U of I police actually released the video of the CCTV showing Ying Ying getting into the Black Saturn. By June 13th, another post was made by the campus police stating that they've received many tips and were very thankful for all the information that people were providing and that they had reached out to many rideshare companies like Uber and Lyft and then the cell phone companies and they also checked vehicle records and they were pursuing many tips provided by community members. I've heard conflicting statements as far as when the FBI actually entered the investigation. However, listed on June 13th on the police.illinois.edu, it looks like the FBI at that point had been contacted and were trying to offer any assistance that they could. If you actually have a moment, I do encourage you to go to the police.illinois.edu website and look at the investigation documents. There is a missing person bulletin posted that gives you a good blurb as far as um, 
what Yang Ying was last seen in and, you know, the image of the black Saturn. I'm actually really shocked as well as far as how good of a picture they have of this black Saturn that she entered. There are also links to be able to see the CCTV footage of Ling Ling talking to the driver and then entering the car as well. That's available on the website or even on YouTube. So by June 27th, the FBI actually announced that they had found the Saturn Astra that was used in the abduction of Ying Ying Zhang. On June 30th, the FBI announced that they had arrested Brent Christensen, who was 28 at the time of Champagne, on charges of kidnapping and the disappearance of Ying Ying Sing. So that kind of brings us to where we are today. The trial of Brent Christensen is currently active and going on and opening statements were had actually this last week of June. Now that we've covered the basics of the disappearance, let's go ahead and discuss the suspect himself, Brent Christensen. So I honestly can say I don't even know where to start with this guy. Brent Christensen was born on June 30th, 1989, and he was born up in North Central Wisconsin. Graduated high school in 2007 and enrolled in University of Wisconsin, Stevens Point, but then transferred to the Madison campus. He graduated in 2013 with a degree in physics. In May of 2016, he received his master's degree in physics from the University of Illinois. Right after he was done, um, he actually was able to secure a position as a graduate teacher at the university. From what I can gather from research, it looks like his job title was more of a TA because he would help watch over, um, you know, different discussions and would grade quizzes and oversee the different exams graduate students would take. So Christensen was 28 and married at the time of Ying Ying's disappearance. Christensen also had a girlfriend despite being married, although he claimed that he and his wife had an open marriage and apparently she was actually on a retreat with another man at the time of Ying Ying's disappearance. A lot of people have speculated, um, believing that maybe his wife being on a retreat with another man maybe influenced him to hurt Ying Ying. However, I don't believe a connection's ever been made, and he already had a girlfriend. So I'm not sure that there's any um, truth to that statement. Ying Ying disappeared on June 9th. By June 12th, Authorities actually interviewed Christensen. He initially stated that he could not remember his whereabouts on the day of her disappearance. He said he was probably sleeping or playing video games. So on June 15th, um, when authorities had looked over his car and found out that the passenger side had been recently scrubbed clean, Christensen decided to change his statement and said, oh yeah, by the way, I did pick up an Asian girl, but I dropped her off, though. I'm pretty sure that's something you'd remember, picking up someone in your car and then supposedly dropping them off. Christensen then stated that he had stopped because she appeared to be upset and he had spoken to her and she had said that she was late for an appointment. So he decided um, to offer her a ride. He then claimed that the woman panicked after he made a wrong turn, so he let her out of the car a few blocks um, from where he had picked her up. Okay, now stop. This is where the story gets really interesting. On June 29th, 2017, there was a memorial vigil held for Ying Ying at U of I. There are photographs and videos of Christensen attending this with his girlfriend. Little did he know, his girlfriend was wearing a wire. Christensen was caught on tape 
bragging about what he did to Yingying. He also claimed that she was his 13th victim. His defense attorney has now claimed that he was drunk and just rambling on in the moment. However, it appears that Christensen is way more violent than we anticipated. As of today, the FBI has not released the recorded tapes of Christensen admitting to killing Yingying. However, there are now court documents out there explaining what are on these tapes. The FBI has also not released the name of Christensen's girlfriend. They have referred to her in official documents as T.E.B. And if you haven't noticed yet for this podcast, instead of calling her T.E.B., we'll just continue to refer to her as Christensen's girlfriend. So on these recordings, Christensen actually talks about the way that he kidnapped Yingying and raped her and disposed of her body. He claims to have taken her dead body into the bathtub and cut off her head so no one would be able to identify her body. As of today, Yingying's body has not been found. However, people are hoping that Christensen will cut a deal with the prosecutors and hopefully lead them to where he disposed of Yingying's body. Christensen has also stated in the past that no one will ever find Yingying's body. For the family's sake, I hope Christensen just mans up and tells them where her body is, because at this point, the jig is up. You're not going home, buddy. I do want to talk about why the prosecution is seeking the death penalty in this case. However, there's one other topic I want to talk about with Christensen as far as him exhibiting signs of being violent. As far as the recordings go, there was another situation where Christensen was pointing out to his girlfriend people who would be good victims in the future for him. Now, somebody who's only killed one person, I don't think looks for other victims. It's somebody who has a taste for it, who's already done it multiple times. Christensen is claimed to start killing when he was 19 years old. If he was arrested at the age of 28, that's seven years of killing. 13 victims in seven years, that's a lot. If what he is saying is true, it's very possible he could be one of the youngest serial killers claiming the lives of at least 13 victims he's willing to admit to. According to some reports, Christensen was also obsessed with Ted Bundy. If this is true, from what I've found, it looks like Ted Bundy started killing when he was 28 years old. If Christensen started when he was 19, that's even younger than Ted Bundy was when he started killing. He was considered one of the worst serial killers of our time. My last point I'd like to discuss about Christensen is his online presence. When law enforcement searched Christensen's phone, they found some questionable websites and searches on his phone history. Incidentally, on April 19th, 2017, the same month that Yingying entered the U of I program, his phone was used to view a forum called Abduction 101 and subthreads Perfect Abduction Fantasy and Planning a Kidnapping. That just scrapes the surfaces of Christensen's phone use. He apparently was on this website called FetLife.com, which is a sexual fetish networking website. He was apparently active on 30 separate fetish pages with kidnapping and violence as the main topic. Christensen obviously has some very deep, dark-rooted issues, mentally, internally, whatever you want to call it. It's also very interesting that he went ahead and attended the vigil held for Ying Ying, knowing full well that he was responsible for her disappearance and murder. I mean, this is an obvious sign of a sociopath. It would not surprise me at all to ultimately see Christensen being diagnosed as an antisocial personality similar to Ted Bundy. 
At this point, I guess we're going to just have to wait and see what ultimately comes out of this trial. So as we wrap up, let's go ahead and talk about the charges that are being filed against Christensen. Christensen pled not guilty to kidnapping resulting in death and two counts of lying to law enforcement. This is extremely interesting because not only do they have him on tape speaking in confidence to his girlfriend, but his defense attorney stated in his opening statement that Christensen is indeed responsible for the disappearance and death of Yang Ying, and they will not be disputing that fact. I mean, that was a major bombshell when that was announced. The media went crazy. I'm not sure if they're going to be seeking the you know, insanity plea or what's going to happen. We're just going to have to stay tuned and see. Now, as I mentioned, the federal prosecutors want to go for the death penalty on this case. Now, if he's found guilty of kidnapping resulting in death, I have heard that's an automatic life sentence. There is one major kicker in this case, though. The fact we don't have a body. I did pull FBI stats on cases without a body, and there's some really interesting information out there. One main thing I did poll is that the body itself serves as best evidence of unlawful death. However, other ways exist to establish that the person died or was murdered. So long story short, if the body's not there, there are other ways that the law enforcement can find them. And there's actually an FBI task force that can assist them. This case is much different, though, because the defense attorney came out and said that his client is guilty and responsible for her murder, yet is pleading not guilty. Obviously, this trial is still ongoing. I am dying to hear the results of it. I hope to God for the family's sake that this human piece of trash has one ounce of sympathy left for them and at least tells them where her body is. You have caused these innocent people enough pain. You are on record admitting it. Your defense attorney is on record of admitting it. You have nothing left to lose. Just tell them where their daughter's body is. Whew. I'm going to bring it down a couple of notches and close up today. As I said, this case is still ongoing. The trial is still happening now. Once we have more information, I am hoping to update this podcast and I will have an update episode come out. This poor, innocent girl was just trying to get a ride to her appointment. And Christensen took her life away from her. It's very possible Ying Ying might have been his 13th victim. If so, who are the other 12? Only time will tell. Stay tuned for follow-up episodes concerning this case. Thank you for joining me on tonight's episode. I'm Melissa Lee, and this has been Mysteriously Morbid. Mysteriously Morbid is a self-produced podcast. Like and follow Mysteriously Morbid on Facebook at Mysteriously Morbid Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Mysteriously Morbid underscore pod. Follow us on Twitter at MYS underscore Morbid Pod. Keep an eye out for us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts.